interesting experience that I want to share. I was talking to somebody who is a musician, a conductor, and I was just having a conversation and he was telling me about this new way of conducting that makes him think a little bit deeper into the story of the music. So he's telling me this story about he he was conducting an orchestra and he realized that people were spending too much time paying attention to the mechanics of the music. Am I hitting the right note? Making sure that you're on key, all of these things. And because of that, some of the feeling was lost. So what he did, and uh, he got this from a mentor of his, and he said this was just such an aha moment for him. And so he stopped and he told the orchestra, we have to feel the music. We have to understand the story behind the music. So they took some time to really sit in that story. And in doing that, when they went to go play, they had way more feeling invested in it. And it didn't sound just like notes hitting the right keys at the right time. It sounded like a story being told. All of that because they took the time to sit with that story. And I just thought as I was listening to him, that is really profound. And I thought, wow, music and emotions, they're kind of tied together, right? And I just thought about how I try to teach my clients to sit with their emotions. So he's telling me about this method of conducting music. And all I can think about is, yeah, this sounds like life to me. So I just wanted to share that story with you because I really think there's a lot of connection that can be made. And it's interesting to me, just like music and life, we spend so much time just going through the motions, making sure that we're doing the right thing at the right time, making sure that we're not making mistakes, uh, checking off boxes, all of those things that we do in life, and we don't take the time to sit and understand the story. So today I want to talk a little bit about that, how we can sit in our story. But before I do that, I just want to take some time to tell you a little bit about Whole Mind Wellness. Whole Mind Wellness provides counseling for people who live all across the state of Michigan. I'm located in Commerce, Michigan, but I do provide online and in-person therapy so that I can help people all across the state. My goal is to help adults who struggle with anxiety and trauma gain strategies so that you can live your most empowered life. You can follow me on social media. I'm on YouTube. You can just type in Whole Mind Wellness. And if you want to schedule an appointment you or just learn more about me or read my blog, you can go to wholemindwellnessplc.com. Yay! Okay, so let's get into the stories that we tell ourselves. We all have inner dialogues and narratives that we use to move us through the stories of our lives. Our narratives are determined by the beliefs that we have about ourselves. If our belief is that we are not good enough, our stories will co-sign this belief. For an example, let's say that your boss gives you constructive criticism about some work that you're doing, but you have a belief about yourself that you're just not good enough. That belief is going to fuel the story that you create to make sense of the criticism. For example, because of the critique that your boss gives you, you now tell yourself a story. She probably wants to fire me. I'm not good enough. Everybody else is better than me. 
I probably should look for another job. I'm just not a very good, good at this job at all. Conversely, if the story that you tell yourself and your belief about yourself is that you are a well-functioning human and you make mistakes sometimes, but overall you're pretty confident with who you are, then the story that you're going to create is going to be, all right, I get the criticism. I'm going to take that into consideration, do it differently next time because my boss wants me to. But overall, I still think that I'm a good employee. And then you go on business as usual. Do you see how the same event can create completely different responses? We've all witnessed situations where we either have been part of them ourselves or we see other people responding completely differently to the same event. This is no accident, really. This is because of the narratives that we are telling ourselves about the event that are either fueling the intensity of the event or calming it and thinking of it in a different way. So all of this really stems from what's called our bottom line self-defeating beliefs. Whatever we believe about ourselves creates the rules that we tend to live by. And they don't necessarily have to be self-defeating beliefs. They could be really well-rounded, healthy beliefs about ourselves. But let's be honest, guys, like most of us walk around with this inner critic that we have for ourselves. So all of us have some sort of self-defeating belief. All that to say, it's important to know what yours is. So I'm going to give you an exercise to do to help you figure out what your self-defeating belief is. And this was taken from David Beck, who created a technique called the downward arrow. David Beck is a psychologist who wrote a book called Feeling Good and another one for couples called Feeling Good Together. Both of them are really good books that I would recommend that you read if you struggle with a relationship or you just struggle generally with your own identity and inner narrative that you have about yourself. This technique comes from him. Basically what it is, it's a pretty simple technique, but you you take an event, take a triggering event. So let's say the triggering event is that you're working with a bunch of people and you throw out a suggestion. You have an opinion about something. So that's a triggering event. And so the next thing that you're going to do is start with a thought that is connected to that event, like the thought and emotion that you have. And so it might be, she thinks that I don't have good ideas. Maybe that's it. So then the next question you ask yourself is, if this thought were true, what would that say about me? Maybe it would say, I'm not an asset to the team. And then you ask yourself again, if this thought were true, what would that say about me? And it might say, well, I'm not smart. So this process, I gave you a condensed version. It could go on longer than that, but I wanted you to get a feel of what it was all about. Basically, what you're doing is you're taking a triggering event, you're attaching uh, an emotion or thought to that event, and then you're going down a, a sequence where you ask yourself, well, if this thought were true, what would that say about me? And you go down until you can't answer the question anymore. For the purpose of example, the thought that this would say about you is that you're not smart. That would be then your self-defeating belief. That's the bottom line self-defeating belief is that you're not smart. With that belief now, we take that with us and we create rules to live by. And usually the rules that we create are going to be opposite of what our self-defeating belief is. So if we don't think we're smart, we're going to try to be perfectionists. Because what we don't want to do is let that cat out of the bag. We don't want anyone else to think that we're not smart. So what happens is a lot of the times we can be super perfectionists. We 
will try to be the best at everything we can do. We'll read up on all of the things. We will know how to use really good vocabulary. We'll try to educate ourselves as much as possible. All those things are good, right? I mean, there's really nothing bad with those things except the fact that we're doing it because we're trying to mask from everyone else that we know that we're just not smart enough. It's that imposter syndrome, right? Like, I'm a fraud. They're all going to find out that I'm just stupid. So what happens is once we start to make a mistake, when something starts to challenge that self-defeating belief, that's when anxiety ensues. For this example, if you were doing something and you made a mistake, it would make you feel like that facade that you have around yourself is crumbling a little bit and people might be able to see inside and now everyone's going to know that you are actually not very smart because now when you're making a mistake, that self-defeating belief in your eyes is now becoming true. So it's exhausting, as you can imagine, to have to always create these rules so that we don't quote unquote get found out. So what we really wanna do is be able to challenge these self-defeating beliefs, which basically in order to challenge a self-defeating belief, you first have to understand what it is. So the first thing that we need to do is understand what our bottom line self-defeating belief is so that we can understand the stories that we're telling ourselves. Because this can affect everyday interaction too. Like if I, if I think I'm stupid and I'm just having a general interaction with somebody and they laugh at something that I said, I'm going to tell my, that wasn't supposed to be funny. I'm going to tell myself, oh my gosh, they think I'm stupid. I, they must think I'm stupid. And then I'm going to act accordingly. So I'm going to cower a little bit. I'm going to back out of the conversation. I'm not going to engage anymore. So it's really, really imperative and important to challenge those self-defeating beliefs. So whenever you are in a situation and you find yourself emotionally getting hyped up, stop and pause. Ask yourself, what's the story that I'm telling myself about this event? See if that story's true. Check the facts. Is there evidence to co-sign that story? Or could this be your anxiety talking, your self-defeating beliefs? It is really eye-opening and awakening to understand what your stories are, but also it can really help you if you try to understand what other people's stories are. We've all been in situations before where you say something to somebody or something happens, an event happens, and somebody completely blames you or flies off the handle at you. And you're thinking, what just happened here? Like this event is not as big as you're making it. It might serve you to take a step back and ask yourself, okay, this person is reacting in a way that is different from the way that I'm reacting. First, let me check my facts to make sure that I'm reacting appropriately. Then asking yourself, okay, this person is really upset about an event that they shouldn't be upset about or something. What's the story that they might be telling themselves? And if you can identify the story that they are telling themselves, it's going to help you with the communication with them because you will come from that angle of their story, not the event. So just like the music, it's not about the keys. It's not about just making sure all the chords are together and everything's playing in tune. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. But before you can get to that, you have to know what the story is. You have to know what the music says to you so that you can respond to it. 
So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of Therapist's Guide to Getting Unstuck. If you like what you hear, please give me a five-star rating, subscribe, tell all your friends, write a message. It really helps with the algorithms in uh, iTunes or whatever podcast they use, but it just helps with the ratings. So if you could go ahead and do that, that would be great. Again, if you want to come over to my website and visit me, read some of my blog posts, or if you want to make an appointment with me, you can do that at wholemindwellnessplc.com, and I will have that in the show notes as well. So you can just click on over there and uh, do that. You can also email me at monica at wholemindwellness.com if you have any thoughts about this show, suggestions about future shows, or just want to drop me a line. That's great too. So I hope that you all have a great day. And remember, pay attention to those stories that you tell yourself. 